Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. are getting better at it. That's great. It is great. Why don't you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we will be reading from verse 12 to verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 12 to verse 17. is what the word of the Lord says. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere for we are the aroma of christ to god among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death to the other a fragrance from life to life who is sufficient for these things for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word but as men of sincerity as commissioned by God in the sight of God we speak in Christ only so far in the reading of God's word oh Lord we ask you that you would please speak here we are your people and we want to hear you we want to uh, submit to your word. We want to be challenged and convicted at, by what you have to say to us. So would you please, Lord, speak to us. Would you please bless us. I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I don't know. How many of you have been part of a triumphant uh, procession? I, I don't know how many of you have, have done of that. Now, modern days, we don't see too much of that. But I, I, I had the privilege of being part of one. And that was when back in Peru, I was part of a, a soccer club. And in Peru, the main uh, soccer club that... Uh, is there, the most famous, is called uh, Lau, which is, uh, yeah, just the name of the, the, the soccer club. Now, they they from the capital. We lived in a small city called Ayacucho, and there was a tournament, and they came to play against us, and we won. We beat them good, and 
And so after that, we went on a winning procession. Now it was just in the back of a bucky, two buckies and a bunch of teenagers and we're celebrating. A lot of people didn't know what is going on, but we're shouting and clapping and all of that. Now it was different from what happened to now in, in Buenos Aires, Argentina. If you can put the, the picture there, and this past December after they won the World Cup, that's a triumphant procession uh, right there with, with the bus. Um, and so this is uh, something that occurred in ancient times when the emperor uh, would conquer a city, um, they would have a triumphant procession. And, and there is actually archaeological um, and historical writings that give evidence to that. Uh, one of them is called the, Tit the Ark of Titus, if you can go to the next picture. Um, and this was uh, the Ark that was done in commemoration for the conquering of Jerusalem. After Jerusalem uh, was, was conquered in AD 70, and if you go to the next picture, um, you see there is actually, a, a, you can visibly see this is a illustrating a procession, how they, they are showing the spoils. You, you see there um, from the city and the emperor will be in the front and there will be trumpets and, and a feast and there will be s slaves being carried around. And it was a triumphant uh, procession. I wanted to mention this because this is what Paul had in his mind as he's writing this, this small section. And he's, he kind of gets distracted from verse, from, uh, verse 1. He, he changes. Uh, it, it, this is kind of a bracket in, in his train of, of, of thought. And, and the first thing that though we we are to walk triumphantly. The first thing I want to call our attention this morning is to the reality and the acknowledgement of disappointments. Look at, look at verse 12. He said, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. Though we are victorious and triumphant in, in the Lord, and we'll get to that in a minute, Paul is very open and honest to acknowledge that we have disappointments. Now, we have disappointments in ministry. We have disappointments in life. He, and he is honest to the point that he's saying, even though the Lord opened the door. He opened the door for the preaching of God's word. But yet he could not have rest. His soul was in unrest because Titus wasn't there. Now it, it seems that uh, before leaving Ephesus, Paul had apparently made a, an appointment to meet Titus on his return from Corinth at Troas, but Titus, Titus didn't arrive. And that distressed Paul. Eventually he does arrive, but uh, Paul had already left. But here it also reveals 
Paul's pastoral heart that he, he cares. He cares for Titus. He's worried about Titus. He is not afraid of just saying, I was very distressed. He expresses much emotion. He was worried. And, and my point here is just to say that we need to acknowledge disappointments. We, we need to acknowledge in life and, and in ministry that things don't always go our way. There was a friend of mine when I was studying uh, at the Baptist Theological College. And he sometimes irritates the rest of us because <laughs> whenever, whenever we would greet him and, you know, how are you doing? I'm blessed. Yeah, and like it nev nothing was ever <laughs> wrong. <laughs> it, it almost seemed like it was, oh, and we are blessed, don't get me wrong. Um, but, but there is a danger for us to pretend that a Christian life, a walk in with the Lord as he's triumphant, that oh, we mustn't let anything um, just phase it. And that's just not, not true. That's just not reality. That's not, that's not how the Bible um, tells us that we, we are going to face persecution. We're going to face trials. We're going to face disappointments. And even in the body of Christ, we're going to face that. I often hear, you know, um, people um, and upset with, you know, Church, oh, the church hurt me. People in, in the church hurt me. Oh, the pastor hurt me. But that is expected because we are a bunch of sinners. You and me are a bunch of sinners together being sanctified from glory to glory into the likeness of Christ. But we are not there yet. And so I'm bound to make some mistake and hurt some of you. Not I, I don't want to. And you, each other, we're we going to sometimes disappoint each other. If, if you're looking to the people to make you realize whether you should be in church or not, you're always going to feel disappointed. We look to Christ. He is the perfect one. <laughs> we are not. So we acknowledge this disappointment. But it is interesting, and as one theologian points out, Paul shifts from a horizontal line to a vertical line. Even, even in, in the text, we, we see this. Verse 12 and 13, he, he points out that he, he was not addressed and he was worried. He, he cared for Titus. And he's looking at Titus. He's looking at circumstances. It's a horizontal line. And then what does he do? He shifts lines. He goes to vertical line. But thanks be to God. He shifts from looking to the side, horizontally to the circumstances. And he shifts to God. And this is a lesson for, for you and me. Because... It is very easy to grow despondent if we're just looking horizontally. 
if we are just looking horizontally, just looking at what people are or are not doing, we will go in despair. But if we look to Christ, if we redirect our line of sight to vertically, gratitude comes out. Oh, the Lord has been so good to me. He has blessed me with food and clothes and friendships and, and things beyond what we, I could ask or, or think of. When we change our line of sight from horizontally to vertical. And, though, and so we, we move now to, to the next point that as we shift from horizontal to vertical, we walk triumphantly. He starts with thanksgiving. And I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, about gratitude. And as we look to him, we are filled with gratitude. And, and Paul says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. He always leads us in a triumphal procession. Always. I, isn't it it's interesting that he puts that word there? Always. So as we are walking in, in our, in our uh, life with Christ, through disappointments, the procession is always victorious. <laughs> it is always victorious. Just as Christ is victorious, and he is the emperor, and he, he is the one that has conquered us, he is leading us in the triumphal procession. So this is great, isn't it? We are winning triumphantly. Baptist, it's okay to smile. We are winning. <laughs> Look at this in Colossians 2, 13 to 15. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now listen to this, verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. There is the victory. The same, this, this triumphant procession, this, this word triumphing, only appears twice in the New Testament. It's, and this is one, and Colossians is one. And just as Christ triumphed over the rulers and authority, uh, we are led in triumphal procession. And, and we need to remember what Christ has accomplished for us. He has, he canceled the record death that stood against its legal demands. He made us alive together with him. He forgave all of our trespasses. He forgave us, past, present, and future. He forgave us. 
He triumphed over the authorities and rulers. He disarmed them. Now, this is interesting. Now, what does this mean? He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. That means, you know what the enemy use, uses to, to make us strip? Lies. We believe some of those lies. Because he's out of weapons. He's been disarmed at the cross. He accomplished our victory. Amen. And he's always leading us in the triumphal procession. Now, this does mean that though we are realistic about our sinful state, about the world around us that is sinful, we cannot be walking as if we were defeated. We should be walking as if we were triumphant. Not because of our triumph, but because of Christ's triumph. And in, in, in a moment we'll see what, what that looks like. Uh, one theologian, Weirdsby, says, We need to always follow in order to always be led by God. It is interesting that uses the word lead us. Notice the word. But thanks be to God, in Christ always lead us in triumphal procession. We are to be following his lead. Now, why is it triumphant? Why is it triumphant? How, what have we won? And, and how, how do we walk triumphantly? What does that mean? So the, the text tells us, and, and this going into our next heading, we are to be an aroma of Christ. So in verse 14, lead us in triumphal procession and through us, Spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So why is it triumphant? How is Christ triumphant and how are we walking triumphantly? Is it tri it's triumphant as we are used to spread Christ everywhere. That's why it's triumphant. Because Christ is reaching places everywhere. He's leading us as in, in that. Through us, Christ spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, this is really great for you to think about because it's saying that the triumphant life, it's about spreading Christ. It's not even about the result. You're not even, it's not even about how many people you 
actually got saved through you. In the moment, we'll see that. It's not even about what, what is the end result, whether the people got saved or not. It is about faithfully spreading the aroma of Christ everywhere. That is your task, you and I. Paul did not consider the triumphant procession based on the result. This is, this is why it's amazing. The triumphant procession was the spread of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Now, in these processions, in these Roman victorious processions, they would have um, a, a, a kind of aroma, uh, uh, a kind of a thurif. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, with that, that word. Um, but it, it, used to, it used to be uh, this nice smell as the procession goes uh, about. So this one uh, commentator puts, puts it like this. Paul finds an analogy of his own work. He claims to be as it were, a thurifer, an incense bearer in the procession of the conqueror. Words, whether of prayer or praise, thanksgiving or preaching, what were they but as incense clouds bearing to all around, as they were wafted in the air, the tidings that the conqueror had come. So, uh, now we, we don't have... Um, Thurifers. I, I, I had to Google this. What, what is a thurifer? Now, you see this in the Catholic churches. Um, there's generally a, a boy that comes with a, a little thurif. It's a, a metal thing, a swing that has incense. Uh, have you maybe seen that? And, and he, as mass starts, the boy comes in with, with that. And that's the, the thurifer. And Paul is saying, I, I am a thurifer in a sense. I am spreading the aroma of Christ. We are spreading the aroma of Christ everywhere. Both believers and unbelievers. As Christ is leading us triumphantly, we are spreading Christ. The knowledge of him everywhere. Now, it is interesting that he says in, uh, in verse 15, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So to whom do we show our aroma of Christ? Well, to everyone. Those that are being saved and those that are perishing. So in verse, uh, so to the saved, we ought to be constantly manifesting the aroma of Christ amongst amongst believers. And again, with, with that picture of of the Roman procession, there will be prisoners that, as they are, um, some will be become citizens of Rome, and some were 
being brought to be executed. Now think about it. For those smelling that aroma of that procession, for those prisoners that were going to be um, become citizens, that was great. <laughs> They're going to be free. They're going to become Roman citizens. They're going to be fine. But for those slaves that were brought, conquered, knowing that they were going to be executed, and they, they generally would be right at the back, and people would throw things at them. For those people, that aroma was, uh, was, was going to bring about death. So it's not a smell they would want to remember. Because it was a procession that was going to lead to their death. Now, can you see the parallels of, of what is going on here? Uh, Robertson says, in the Roman triumph, garlands of flowers scattered sweet odor and incense bearers dispensed perfumes. So the knowledge of God is here, the aroma which Paul had scattered like an incense bearer. A sweet savor of Christ does not consist so much in what we do, but in our manner of doing it. Not so much in our words or deeds as in an indefinable sweetness, tenderness, courtesy, unselfishness, and desire to please others to their edification. It is the breath and fragrance of a life hidden with Christ in God and deriving its aroma for from fellowship with him. Now you wrap the habits of your soul in the sweet lavender of your Lord's character. Now this is important that because we are only going to be good aroma and sweet aroma if we are in close fellowship with him. Otherwise, we're going to stink. <laughs> if we are not close to Jesus Christ, there, he's the one that is the pregnant one. We... we we don't have naturally good odors to, <laughs> to give. We need to be in sweet and close fellowship with Christ and spread his likeness to others. The more we spend time with Christ, the more we're going to be like Christ. And, and, and there's a sense of portraying Christ and uh, showing Christ to others and, and as he is, not as we think he is. We as staff have been going through the book Gentle and Lowly, speaking about just the merciful and, um, heart of Christ. And you and I can, can there are Christians that are sometimes just very mean. You know, it's like, where is the aroma of Christ? <laughs> We're supposed to reflect our Savior. We're supposed to reflect Him. And, and so, even amongst believers, we ought to reflect Him. Now, very practically speaking, have you ever spent some time with a brother or sister? And after you leave, it's like you feel just so encouraging. And you realize that time with them was life-giving. Was so good. They, they encouraging. 
being, uh, it's just so encouraging. And you just feel boosted up. And then there are other believers that are like, oh. <laughs> feels draining. We ought to be an aroma of Christ to believers, to one another, spread Christ and be Christ-like to one another. And, and, and notice, he doesn't say just to unbelievers. He's saying to, the pe- to, to those that are being saved. In other words, those that are being in the process of being sanctified, you need to be an aroma of Christ to them. But we also ought to be an aroma of Christ to those that are perishing. And for those that are perishing, for those that reject the gospel, is a stench of death. To unbelievers, the preachers who announced the gospel were proclaiming a message of eternal doom, which would eventually be experienced in the unbelievers' destruction, out of death unto death. To those who responded in faith, the gospel preacher had brought a message which comes from Christ. The source of true life and produces life eternal. See, there are some people that as you preach the gospel to them, their hearts will actually become hardened. They will be triggered. There are those that are perishing that as you proclaim the gospel to them and as you show them Christ... They are, you're bringing about their own condemnation because uh, they are rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. John Calvin says, Such is the influence of the gospel in both respects that it either quickens or kills, not merely by its state, but by its very smell. Whatever it may be, it is never preached in vain but has invariably an effect, either for life or for death. Now, we don't know what the end result is going to be when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because we can't save people. It is not up to us. We don't have the human capability of doing that. Salvation is from the Lord. It is a supernatural work that changes hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. But we, and so we preach the gospel to everyone. There is an urgency to that. We preach the gospel to everyone. We don't know who the elect are, their identity. And so we preach the gospel to everyone. We let God do the saving. Whether those are... Those people will reject Christ and be doomed for eternal punishment, or they will receive by faith eternal life in Jesus Christ. You and me, the aroma of Christ is to be spread to every single soul, to everyone. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for those who believe. It is the gospel is the means by which people are saved. Cannot be saved without the preaching of the gospel. 
So if, if you're praying for someone to be saved, a family friend, a family or, or a friend or someone that, uh, a teacher or whatever, I think we, you must continue to pray. But they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ at some point in order for salvation to happen. So, I want to remind you that at some point, someone was an aroma of Christ to you. You have been saved. Today you are here because someone was an aroma of Christ to you. Someone told you about the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God... The perfect one took on flesh, was born in, into this world, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for our sins. And he rose on the third day, offering eternal life to anyone who repents and put their trust in Jesus Christ. God has done a marvelous thing in our hearts and used someone to be an aroma of Christ to you. You and I ought to be aroma of Christ to others. See, in, in, verse, um, for, uh, in verse 15, for we are um, the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are, we are the aroma of Christ to both those that are being saved and those that are perishing. For those that are perishing, for them, it smells like a stench of death. But we, we are the aroma of Christ. Now, this is one of the texts Pastor Charles often quotes um, for us as staff, pastoral staff. He often quotes this verse, reminding us, because ministry sometimes gets taught us. And sometimes, um, as we proclaim the gospel, people are going to be mean. And they're going to reject Christ. And you feel like, oh, you feel almost like personally attacked. And so Pastor Charles often reminds us of this text. For some, it will be a stench of death. Then he moves on. One a fragrance from death to death, the other a fragrance from life to life. And he has this question, who is sufficient for these things? And this is a rhetorical question. Who is sufficient for these things? It's a great question. It is a humbling one. And the answer is none of us. None of us is sufficient <laughs> for these things. Only God can do the supernatural. I'm not sufficient <laughs> for these things. Neither are you. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I. But the grace of God. That is with me. We are not sufficient. 
we are carried by the grace of God. It doesn't mean that you don't work. It doesn't mean that you don't preach the gospel. It doesn't mean that you don't pray and you fast. It doesn't mean that you don't do these things. But you realize that you're not sufficient. That it's unless His grace carried you, you and I would be nowhere. There's nothing that you and I could naturally accomplish. And, and believers, you and I need to realize and recognize that because it is humbling. It takes away all your pride to think that you are where you are because, hey, I made the right decision. I was wise. I did this. No, not I. Not I. The grace of God brought me to where I am today. It does not take away human responsibility, but it acknowledges that it is God who works in us, the will and to do, Philippians chapter 2. You're not sufficient. You can't do this without God. And lastly, because we are out of time, There is a right way of doing ministry, and there's a wrong way. And we ought to be doing it right. We ought to be doing it right. Look at verse 17. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. Now this word, peddlers, it's, uh, I was going to give you this big word, but I'll leave Mark to do those big words to, to you. It only appears once in the New Testament. It only appears here. And, <coughs> and it has two usages. Of peddling was uh, who mixes wine with water and one who would sell damaged goods or lighten weight for personal gain. And Paul is aware of charlatans that twisted the word of God and wanted to gain profit from it. Now, does that sound familiar? <laughs> does that sound familiar? Nothing new under the sun. Hey? I, the other day, I, was, I almost got a bit triggered where this televangelist is is asking money for his fourth jet. <laughs> we had this one, and, and he's showing the pictures nicely. <laughs> it's like we need to, to raise money for the fourth jet, better equipped. <laughs> there will always be those that are twisting God's word and want to profit from it for personal gain but Paul says not us we are men of sincerity we have been commissioned by God and in the sight of God in other words I'm aware that God is looking and watching what I am doing as how I'm, I'm conducting my ministry in the sight of God we speak in Christ so may the Lord help us to walk triumphantly 
And and great great choice of song, James. This is as we we have been seeing, our God is marching on. We follow him triumphantly. He has achieved the victory. May we spread the aroma of Christ everywhere in our lives, portraying Christ how he is, gentle and lowly, truthful, just. We fall short there, but it is by his grace we spread the aroma of Christ to everywhere and we preach the gospel to everyone. May the Lord help us. Let us pray. Lord, you are victorious, O oh God. And we follow you as you lead us triumphantly, walking in this world that is crooked, that is full of lies. Would you help us to be aroma, Lord? To spread the aroma of Christ everywhere. Don't, don't let us hide behind shyness or fear. Help us to boldly proclaim Christ, both with our lives and with our words, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Knowing that you do the saving knowing that you alone are sovereign, and to some it will be life-giving, and to some it will be condemning. But Lord, we look to you. Help us, Lord, not to, to just look horizontally, but Lord, help us to look vertically to you. So continue to lead us in this triumphant procession. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.